NBA basketball fans, welcome back to the NBA Playoff Banter Podcast. He's Marshall, I'm Chris, and we're here to not only recap the Miami Heat's successful um, series over the Boston Celtics, got it done on the road, Game 7, after a dramatic fourth quarter and ending in Game 6 that we'll talk about. Now move on to the finals versus a well-rested Denver. And, you know, they were an eighth seed Miami, so they do not have home court. Not a lot of people were kind of thinking this through, but Boston actually had the home court had they have won, but they didn't. And look what home court got them anyway, right? So we're going to break this all down. We'll start with a little recap, and then we'll preview and predict Denver against Miami. It's an interesting matchup, not a matchup that many people saw, especially on the Miami side. If you think about losing a playing game, knocking off a number one seed, and so on. Uh, before we do that, though, if this is your first time listening to the NBA Playoff Banter Podcast, welcome. It streams live right here on blogtalkradio.com forward slash rope radio. You don't have to go to blog talk and rope it open. Download the show directly there. Um, you can find this NBA podcast under Ropa Dope Radio on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Player FM, TuneIn, Spricker, Stitcher, and a host of other places while you're at it. Why don't you head on over to Sports News 24 and the Grueling Truth. And one more thing, if you're thinking about cutting the cord or you have, I got something for you, and you're not quite happy about it. Get your TV together without the hassle of cable. Stream the best entertainment and sports Starting with 75 live channels, direct TV stream, uh, save $120 over the first year when you get any package and buy the direct TV streaming device. There's no annual contracts, no hidden fees, plus learn how to get premier premium channels included for three months with qualifying packages. Ow. Sign up for today. Oh, cat issue. Sorry about that. Sign up today. Direct TV. Oh, I just stepped on something that kind of hurt my toe. Ow. Anyway, let's go ahead and bring in my co-host, Marshall. Like I said, we're going to recap, in a nutshell, this series. We're not going to, you know, go too deep on this because ultimately we didn't get the dramatics in Game 7. But you can't be all that mad. It beats it, – it definitely beats, a, a you know, having both series get swept or even a five-game series. For them to be down three-zip, them being – the Seas, the Celtics, and come all the way back. It's got to be heartbreaking to lose in that fashion at home, Marshall. That was rough, but that game six had so much drama in the fourth quarter and down the stretch, Jimmy Buckets hitting those three free throws, and, and he was having a rough shooting game, and he came together when it counted there, and for Derek White to get that follow-up, it, it was just crazy, and, you know, although – it was kind of a weird series how, you know, 3-3-0, then 3-3, and then the game seven. It still was uh, drama-filled in, in some sense. Yeah, it was. And I'm happy that Boston didn't make history again because um, that would have, well, that mean, obviously not a huge Boston sports fan. You had the Red Sox doing 3-0 against the Yankees back in 04. This would have been the first team to ever do it in basketball, so – Huh, I was happy that didn't occur. But yes, the the just for it to even get to that far, I think it was what the fourth time ever a team's forced a game seven in the NBA. 
to where fourth or fifth, I remember. Yeah, something like yeah. that. Yeah. I think it was fourth. And obviously no one has done it yet. Um, I was, was it the I, Knicks? Was, I think it was the Knicks in 99 or something that did. I can't remember last. I was really surprised. Um, just because the post game interview after game three, Missoula's like, I, I've lost the team. I don't know what to say. He, he was like straight up with a reporter of like, I just, this, the, the, the guys kind of, we just gave up. We looked sluggish. Like game three, they looked like trash. So in my head, I was like, okay, if a coach and a players are all done, like, you know, okay, they're going to wrap it up. And then you just saw a game four performance where all the role players hit their threes. And then in game five, again, they looked really good. In game six, that was just such a statistically weird game. Because just to hear people talk about the statistics that the Heat had that game were so poor, yet they were a tenth of a second away from winning the game overall. So that game kind of was just like an anomaly of just weird shit. And then in game seven, um, obviously last night, I'm sure a lot of people watched. I'm sure it had great ratings. Um, you obviously can say that the Tatum rolled ankle was huge, Chris. Obviously, first play of the game, guy drives up for a shot. I think he landed on Struess's foot. I'm not sure, but Tatum rolls his ankle. Um, obviously, I'll give him credit. He was out there getting it out, but wasn't quite the same. Um, we've seen moments in the playoffs where Tatum can take over a game and get on a heater, and he never really got that going. I know that uh, Van Gundy was commenting as an announcer about how they pulled him out earlier in the first quarter than they're used to doing, and sometimes small stuff like that is true. As It's a good point of an announcer because – I think they pulled Tatum out with like four minutes in the first quarter and most of the series he'd play the whole first quarter. And obviously if your star players at 60%, we'll say, Chris, you need other guys to step up. Um, Jalen Brown did actually hit. I thought he was actually going to kind of go off all game because he had a really nice first quarter, hit quite a few buckets, but then ends up having eight turnovers on the game and no one of no one else for Boston really got their mojo going and you dug yourself a hole to where you could tell the Heat, once they kind of had their swagger and they were hitting their threes, there wasn't really a time where I thought they were going to come back. Once they got that lead, I think my – I'm not saying Miami coasted, but I never really had like that urge of like, oh, shit, here comes Boston. Yeah, and I think it was – what was it, 22 to 15 or something like that in the first quarter. The Cs were like 0 of 10 from three for a while there. So yeah, that, that just didn't start well. And the thing about, you're right. The Tatum thing, you could tell it affected him. And it wasn't like he was completely a shell of himself. I thought he still had a good game considering, but yeah, definitely. I think you can play into that. But um, the thing about that is, as we know, injuries happen during the regular season that helps you or hurts you <laughs> um, when it comes to playoff positioning. And then during the regular se- or during the playoffs in the last chunk of years, uh, we've had a lot of injuries. Um, it is what it is. But the one thing I'll say, so yeah, uh, you know, affecting him at home, game seven, it totally affected him. I'll, I'll say that, but it didn't have shit to do with getting down three zip though. And two out of the three games were at home. So there really is no excuse because all you would have had done is win one of those games. Yeah. Now, if you were only down 2-1 or, let's say, up 2-1, to one, maybe you went up the same mentality or whatever that you did, winning three straight, yada, 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 who knows. But in the end, if you're only going to – if people are going to only go on, well, Tatum wasn't wasn't there. Okay, but he was there in game one and game two. 
when they're at home. So it is what it is. It does suck, though, because you can see it, it definitely hampered them. Um, but, yeah, and he got heat, he, he got going later in the second. But you're right. They, I think it was 47-39 to 39 was, was a close score in there, and, and I think they got it. Derek uh, White was going off up to, like, 15 points at that time. Um, he went to the rack and cut it with five minutes left of the third, went to the rack, cut it 66-58. Otherwise, that game was over. No doubt about it. And um, But that drama, I mean, the fourth quarter stuff, you know, Boston has a lead. And we talked about how Miami has, what, three or four of those wins down 10 in the fourth quarter. But then they did flash a stat when they were up by 10, uh, how good they are in the fourth quarter of holding that lead. Uh, we'll talk about that in a second. I'll bring it up. But, you know, that fourth quarter, just real quick, I know what happened, you know, a little while ago now, but, uh, I mean, Saturday, so it's not that far away. But, man, that fourth quarter when it looked like, well, they got them again. You know, Boston would go back up 10 or 9 or whatever, and then Miami would shrink it again, then Boston would go up, and then they came storming it back all the way. And <laughs> they had, a, the, you know, their three-point shooter, or one of their three-point shooters, I should say, had two open looks at it, couldn't get it done, but for Jimmy Butler to get fouled on that three, and you can look at that foul both ways. Did he get fouled actually earlier before he put up the shot? He put up the shot. Did he, you know, there, there's... If you look at the rule on a fumble in that sense, um, you could make an argument both ways, whatever. But to not only get the fall at that point off of a fumbled ball where you have to pick it back up and just, you know, get the foul, right, to hit all three in the clutch. And he was struggling in that game. And then he came alive down the stretch when they needed him the most. Hit the three, those three, you know, in clutch, and you're like, I don't know, man. Wow. They, they did it, you know? And, and for that, I don't know. That that made the series, the fact that Boston climbed all the way back in that series and that dramatic, that, that made the series for me, no doubt. That that was fun, and I can't get too mad. Obviously, there's a lot of different, uh, you know, um, scenarios where you can look at multiple guys, not just Jimmy, that had a great, you know, run here uh, for them. But I, for a second there, I did think, man, Jimmy Butler is going to be part of two buzzer beater losses in, you know, the last five, six years in the NBA playoff stuff. The one that happened in Philly with Toronto and then this one, I was thinking, oh, my goodness gracious, dude, this is, this is not good. But, yeah, the Heat are 67-0 and when leading by 10 points or more entering the fourth quarter. Um, and I think that was tied for fewest uh, 15 points um, in the first quarter of the year, tied for fewest for Boston. Um, and, you know, game seven at home, uh, historically 22-5 and five Boston as a franchise, you know. So they, they had the home court. They did, you know, have an injury and whatnot. But, um, yeah, man, Miami, Miami got it done. And, and when you look at it, man, it's funny because <laughs> – it's just crazy for them to lose the plan for the seventh spot, win the plan in the eighth, knock a number one seed off. That doesn't happen a whole lot, the one eight, um, and, and just do what they did and almost give up a 3-0 lead for the first time. What is it now? 0-151 now in that scenario. Um, it, so it did. At least it had drama because we didn't get a whole lot of drama in that. I mean, there were good games, 
but we didn't get the drama drama as far as six and seven games. So all in all, shots out to Miami, dude. Like I did not see them sitting at an eighth seed and then getting to the finals, man. Yeah, that's a lot of credit. Um, I think a lot of credit, though, has to go to Spolstra. I mean, I guess I've been a, a fanboy for him for this whole podcast. But, again, there's reason he's still coaching and some other guys aren't. And, I mean, Missoula, now it's obviously hard to compare a rookie coach to a veteran coach. But um, Spolstra is a big reason they're there, in my opinion. The guy's a veteran coach. He's done it for – he's been there for over a decade now. He had that LeBron D. Wade super team with Bosch. And I think he's just a, a solid veteran coach that – Probably, you know, and he's proven it without the super team now, too. This yes. is his second trip to the finals. Yeah, so this guy clearly he knows what he's doing, and sometimes you know, announcers will do more X's and O's than others. But if you were to rewatch this film with like an NBA guy, they would probably talk about how the offense they ran or defensive adjustments they made. And he's one of the best in the game. So, obviously, when you have a coach on the sidelines for better or worse, um, that's a huge part of it. I feel that. In basketball, the media doesn't quite maybe hit on a coach as much as, like, in NFL. In NFL, coaches seem to take the wrath of it heavily. But in the NBA, I mean, it's – I mean, obviously, it's a different sport, but it's still vitally important. And when you have a coach who's been doing it for a long time and has a pretty good success record with a, a franchise that believes in him, um, props to him. And, and, you know, Riley above, too, making the move. Yes. That, that whole team, the whole culture is just – and that's why it was so perfect for Jimmy to go there, you know? Yeah, it, it truly is a, a team culture. Um, I know that they're huge on, like, team dinners. Um, there's a certain body percent count you have to have, um, a body fat count or whatever, to make the team. They like, like to go bowling. To, no, I'm just kidding. I mean, uh, there's just the, – it, it's about as good of a solid of a franchise you can have yeah. in pro sports. as, And, again, I think that leads to success. And – even though you could argue that they've been wasting a spot, if you want to use that terminology, which is kind of a disrespect, but you got Udinus has, has them on the team. Dude barely has played in the past four to five years, really, but he's on that team every year. He literally is like an elder coach slash player. How many a franchises coach that will fight you if need be? <laughs> no, I'm just playing. How many franchises in sports would have a spot for a coach? Yeah, player on the especially bench. on a roster this little, you know. I, I know. Compared yeah. to other sports, that's a great point. Yeah, in, in football, maybe get away with like a veteran leader guy, but in basketball, like dude, there's like you have 15 yeah. spots, and you've had one for a guy who literally, and I mean, he he was good in his prime, but for the past three years, he literally is just on the team, and he can play occasionally, but sure. I, I'm sure you know. So again, it just ties into the organization. Yeah, it is. It it really is rare. But that's something where Spolster's got to be on board with it. Riley's got to be on board with it. And the fact that both of them are must show you that even though he doesn't contribute on the court, what he does as a mentor and leader off the court for that organization is why he's there. Because I can't, I honestly can't think of any other team that has a guy stay around for so long when all he's doing is kind of being a true player coach. Yeah, that's a great point, man. He has been there a long time. Man, I wish uh, we could. Work, we could have worked that out with KG somehow, dude. That would have been a perfect guy to be that way. Um, but, yeah, man, they uh, they deserve a lot of credit. Like you said, the head coach, Riley's still doing his thing. The pieces around him, um, they, they just managed over the last few years to pivot and bring up the Martins and bring up just the, you know, 
Duncan Robinson coming up when he looked like he was stuck on the bench. Love giving decent minutes here and there. Just, you know, Hero, it's like now you probably do need him. But you could also make the case in some matchups that they don't have a guy that they can hunt. Of course, if Love's out there, they probably hunt him. But you know what I mean? Like on the perimeter and stuff like that, like that, that it's kind of a, it's the pieces they've had in there, whether it's for defense or just hot shooting or whatever, they just, they've just found a way to put the right pieces together. And it's not a super team, um, but they just, they just keep overachieving, man. And the engine that makes it run is Riley, is Spolstra, and is Jimmy. That that's just hands down, and it's like they're all on the same page, and enough to where they may get in a scuffle. Not may they did <laughs> get in a scuffle for everybody to see, but that's not the end of the world, and they want to win. Um, it's not just seeing who's tougher or whatever like that. So yeah, man, this is because uh, it it takes a lot to be up three zip and all of a sudden to be down three zip, and, and now you got to go on the road, and it's rough, man. So. Um, you know, we'll see where Boston goes with their head coaching, we assume. Obviously, we do. We have some new coaches out there that we'll talk a little bit about. How about we close the show with that? Obviously, Philly being the biggest splash. Uh, but now here we are, Denver, chilling. You know, have been just chilling. They got the home court, obviously. In fact, um, Let's see, San Antonio Spurs 2013 and Golden State Warriors 2017 are the ones with the 10-day break type stuff. Um, So we've seen that in the last decade or so. Um, And, you know, it's kind of interesting because I'm reading from ESPN right now, teams like Denver with at least five-day rest advantage heading in the finals have gone 10-6 and in that opening game. But that under, you know, understates it. Uh, when teams with a large rest advantage edge have been uh, home for game one of the finals, they're eight and one, far better than the overall winning percentage of game one hosts, which that kind of lines up too, because they are on paper the better team or whatever. Um, and what a, more importantly, teams with both home court advantage and the rest advantage, and that's what I'm at least five days are eight and one all time in that, uh, in the series, actually, too, not just uh, not just that. So, um, yeah, man. I mean, obviously, on paper, um, we could start to say the the top four, top six type stuff that my co-host used in that Lakers series, and we've brought that out here and there. Sometimes you look at the top two players. Sometimes you look at the deeper team. Um, I thought. Marshall, of course, you did a good job at that Denver, the top four, and it really probably went to six in that series once they actually started playing. And, you know, you have the home court in Denver, especially game one. There's like a little notch up from that head court, that home court. That is a big advantage. Um, shit, even if you just walked around near the mountains, <laughs> just walking, like it, it, the air is thinner. It is a little different. Um, it does make an advantage, uh, or it does give you an advantage. Um, and, you know, I mean, they're a fine-tuned machine, just like, uh, you know, Miami. They've had some pieces together. They've pl- played a lot of games together. Uh, but now Murray and Porter are healthy next to Jokic. Um, and even with that regular season in playoffs, they've played a lot of 
games together, but now they have their full team, as we know. Um, and obviously, Bam is a major key to start with. I mean, clearly Miami, you know, we talked about when they go against Boston, they're going to have to shoot the three better than they did last year. They've been, for the most part, shooting the you-know-what out of the three. It's not just one or two shooters either. Um, but Bam not got, getting in foul problems against Jokic is going to be huge. And some people are like, well, why don't they start love? And it's like, I don't know, man. It just seems like he could get hunted out. And obviously Cody Zeller in love, you know, will, will, they're there for minutes, whether it's Band-Aid or key minutes. But Gabe Vincent, another guy that I have been mentioned a little bit, Duncan Robinson, Caleb Martin, I mean, maybe Hero coming back. Um, what do you think of this matchup, man? Because it just feels like on paper the clear favorite, and, you know, at the books the clear favorite is Denver. Talk me into why Miami can once again – overcome the odds or maybe you got this thing a sweep or a five game series and maybe you know it's going to be hard for you to do that i i do think that and again this is maybe this is more prevalent in hockey but i do think it is a fair thing for this series too is that when one team has a, a shitload of time off sometimes that can cause you to maybe slip up a little bit so I do think there's a chance that, hey, Miami, you're on momentum, you're on a heater, you're on a roll, you get game one. And if by chance Miami steals game one, okay, then you kind of win the home court back over. And I'm not saying that Miami is going to win the series, but that's a huge advantage. You get declared home court. I do think that the year they've had, I would be crazy to think that Miami can't win a game at home court. So I think that the series has a legit chance, Chris, if Denver comes out sleepwalking, and Martin goes off again like he's been doing, and Miami hits their threes. Because I'll admit that I think Denver is the better team, for sure, but it would be foolish for me to just think that, hey, Denver's a beast, and disregard what Miami's done. Like, if if this was Miami versus the Bucks, or sorry, if this was Denver versus Bucks, are people saying a sweep? Probably not. If this was Celtics against Denver, are people calling a Denver like in five, probably not. So I think maybe just the eight seed apart, leave that part off. I think Miami yeah. has accomplished too much to be considered a favorable underdog. And again, I think if you, if again, if they're caught sleepwalking, you in game one, now you really got a series. With that being said, if Denver does come out, looks rested and well-prepared, then I think Miami is kind of like screwed. Um, but I, I think so that's as it accurate. Stands right now, Miami's a plus 300 at Caesars according to ESPN in this article, but I've seen it kind of right around there a little higher. Yeah. I mean, okay. I, yeah. That, and, and that is the respect they deserve. Um, but I mean, shit, Boston was favored to win the title when this last round started. So yeah, before it's started, yeah, you're right. Yep. You know, and, and Boston both been, said that shouldn't be no, I, I agreed. And Boston's pretty much been the favorite since the, since the first round. So, um, but if we're talking just aside from odds and thoughts, like for the, on the court, if we're going to compare top four to top four again, like we did last time, which turned out to look pretty good for us. Um, I don't, I mean, obviously Jimmy Butler is going to be number one. Um, the way Martin's been playing, he'd probably be number two. Yeah. Um, Duncan Robinson has shown flashes of his old self. 
I'm not saying I don't know if he'd be a top four, but his three point capabilities make the team look nice. Uh, definitely put and, Bam in front of. Him, oh, 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 yeah, obviously Bam. Yeah, I was, yeah, but I um so Bam, um Martin, Jimmy, and. Vincent? Uh, probably, yeah, Strauss? probably Vincent. Yeah, Vincent or Struess, maybe. Yeah. So that, that that is a good, or yeah, Struess, that is a good four, but that four does not match up with Denver. And that's where you're in trouble um, because Denver has been on a roll. Um, I would imagine, I mean, yeah, because then the, for Denver, you have Jokic, Murray, Michael Porter Jr., and um, Gordon. And that's just that's that's a that's a beast of a lineup. Um, Miami will have their hands full. Um, and, but they I, have those little role players too, they much do. like Miami does. You mm-hmm. know, Bruce Brown coming off the bench. You know, I mean, I yeah. think the I think the biggest advantage if we're going like X's and O's in this whole thing, obviously home court, Denver's got that. But I think the biggest advantage for Miami's standpoint would be the coaching. I think Malone's a good coach, but I think if we're doing check, check, checked boxes, okay, best four players goes to Denver. Coaching, I'd put that check mark for Miami. Now, obviously, Spolster's not going to walk on the court and play, and he ain't getting LeBron D. Wade from his past years. We had a super team. But that is one call I would check for uh, Miami. If we're talking offense, I sadly, that, I, that one I really don't think is that close. I mean, I, I think what Denver's done yeah, offensively in the yeah. playoffs this year is they're just on – that team is just at a different level. Um, and I do think that Bam is a very solid athlete for his size and capabilities. But – and I'm guessing – I would assume in my in my mind he is going to be someone they're going to try to put on Jokic. But it's all I, – I just – I don't – I don't know what the plan to stop Jokic is, Critch. Like, Bam would have to play lights out. And I still don't know if the guy like isn't going to get a triple double a couple times in the series. Yeah, I mean it's not about we're at the point in his career where you don't stop him. You know the old saying, you just hope to contain him, and containing him is actually is giving him more. Not giving him, he earns him. But uh, you know having him score more instead of getting one. Well, once he gets that double digit assist, dude. It just doesn't go well, man. It really just doesn't. And so, bam, I think you put him on him. I don't think you put love there. Um, I think you put bam on there. And, 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 you know, he's been, I think he was right around, like, last I checked, like an 18-9 and guy or something. Maybe that went down a little bit more, but that's what he was doing in the playoffs. And that's the thing. Like, they're still going to need him to do I'm not saying he's got to have 25. That's the one thing. He's not Davis where I do. We need 25 or 30 from you. And by the way, you got to mess with Jokic, you know. At least Bam doesn't have to, you know, this, you got one main score and then you got a variety of guys that any given night can go for 20. So, or, mm-hmm. you know, 15 to 22, you know, three guys can do that and Jimmy. So I think that helps. But Bam, staying out of fall problems, like you said, the coaching, Definitely uh, an advantage. Uh, and I'd say defense, but it's not as much of an advantage. Like, ongoingly hard-nosed defense, I would give to Miami. And, you know, the thing is, okay. running the – I mean, like every possession type sure. stuff. Yeah. But it's not nearly 
as much as we would have thought coming into this series. Because uh, regular season, they were okay. At times, eh. At times, pretty good. But they have focused on defense as well, not just coaching and all that players, but the type of players they brought in to go around that core are can focus on that, you know. And so defense, I give them a little – I give it an advantage to Miami, but not as much. And bam, you know, we st- they, they Miami would still need him to get 15 or 18 and stuff like that. So he, he, he's got to stay on the court. And then you look at zone, zone against Denver. Is that really what you want to do? I don't think so. So, and there's, you know, that's something that's been really good uh, for Miami. I'm not saying they can't go one-on-one, but we did see some of that. And we saw how, I'm talking about a Murray or Porter, how they were able to go after Tatum with some doubles. And it took forever for Boston to be like, hey, dude, double fucking Butler, dude. Well, I don't know if you should run and race to double um, Jokic. I, I just – I don't know about that. So Bam is going to be key as an all-around player, but mostly keep your hands up, move your feet, and just try to keep him out of the paint and not let him get that offensive rebound when he, he'll put some shit up where you just know it's not going in, but he's right there, or he does that – the ball's, you know, shot and it's on the rim coming off and he, he does that little mini tap and he's ready to go right back up because he knows he's just tapping it. His positioning down low and it's just – so Bam Bam is huge, dude. Bam is really, really big. And is he the type of player – you know, like I said, I'm not saying they're depending on 25, 30, or 35 points like Davis had to do, but I don't know. Can he stay on the court? You know, foul problems, you know. So I don't know, man. It's – I I just favor Denver, long story short. And it's just a matter of, you know, is it – is it – we've only had three game sevens. You know, a couple times we've been going six and seven for a lot of these series because they look like it on paper they were going to be that. Um, Maybe that we'll finally get a seven-game series. I think the ratings aren't going to be as good, obviously, but because of who's in there. But then again, if you get to five, six, and seven, I think the ratings could really pop. So I think it's Denver, clear favorite for obvious reasons, but we're going to see that to six and eight, you know, roster and see what they can do. That's where Miami's going to have to come through. They're going to have the, they're going to have to have the best six to maybe seven, eight players, kind of like on paper we thought the Lakers and other teams had. Uh, Well, I shouldn't say other teams, Lakers. Uh, But that didn't turn out once they actually, you know, threw the ball up and the whistle blew and it was time to go. So it's not about stopping them, long story short. Um, And that's the thing, like, I don't know, my the way – I don't know, man, the way Denver can just – Going these spurts of ten to two and twelve to two runs, and right when you get close to them, boom, it's an eight point game. I just, I don't know. You you have to win one of the first games. You're right. Game one would be ideal, right? Like you said. Sure. But just one of those first two games. And I will say, they had these two days off. They got to go on the road. It does suck for them. You know, there is a rhythm there, but the, it do, that is a long series. But once you play Thursday. You have two days off, no travel. You play Sunday. Then you travel back home. 
you get two more days off Wednesday. Then you got Wednesday, Fridays, the only back-to-back, or not back-to-back, but only one day rest. Those are both at home. Then you get a, the weekend off. You get Saturday and Sunday off to game five. That's Monday, Thursday, Sunday. Let's say it goes game seven. So once you get in there, that's why it's so important to win one of those first two games for Miami. And if that happens with the rest that we just looked at, they do have a legit chance. And I and I agree that maybe Miami shouldn't be a plus 300. Where would you put them, though? Plus 150? That low? Plus 250? Where, where do you think they should be? I'd... I'd put him at plus 250 to 260. Yeah, I'd, I'd say in that range. Um, just to kind of, like, I guess wrap up for, like, some strategy points. Um, one thing Miami was able to do against Boston was go small and play zone. I think if Miami goes small against Denver, that's going to be tough shit. Because, like, the way the way that Boston's built, they don't, they don't really have a ton of, like, big guys in a post. And I guess Horford, he's obviously a bit older, but, like, they, they're not going to hammer you down low per se, at least from a physical standpoint of some bigs. If you try to go small, which they might have to do because that's how the team is built, but like Murray, pretty big-ass dude, Porter Jr., athletic freak, Jokic, like if, if Bam's off the court, who's guarding him? I mean, do you put Jimmy on him? Do you try, I mean, Love and Zeller? Like those guys don't have the really capabilities, so – in a way where the zone was affecting against Boston because Boston shot threes like crap. If you go zone on Denver, like in Denver, those threes are falling in. Like Mur- that Murray Jokic, one of those guys is doing something against that zone. So I guess that's Spolster's part to try to find new strategies, Chris, of something that can work. But the I just it was just hitting me. But like the going small angle again, they probably got to do it. But when they go small, how are they going to maintain? Um, maintain the uh, balance on the court just because Denver really is just a pretty big athletic team, and that's kind of how they've constructed themselves. Yeah, they are really long, and I don't think you can say that as much, obviously. But you're right. I mean, sometimes I don't know. I just I don't know about the zone, man. I just don't. Again, against Denver, I I mean, Boston had their moments for hell. They started yeah. last night 0 for 14. In Game Six, they were like. 13 for 31. So they, they went through the cold routes. If you go zone against Denver, I don't think – Denver's not going to go and have a one out of 14 stretch. They're going to bust them. Now, every team has cold moments, but they have too many, like Porter and Junior. And, again, if you're going to go zone on Jokic, he's going to dribble past one person, and he's going to make a good pass because, again, for his size, his passing capabilities are phenomenal. So you might have to sprinkle it in maybe a couple possessions here and there, but doing that religiously against Denver – I think you're 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 kind of that's an uphill battle. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, so where where are we where are we landing? Where are we landing for game? Do we both think Denver's going to win here? Because I haven't quite heard it all the way. I feel like you're just sitting back there with your hands like mushing your hands together, like hmm. Uh, I'm going to shock them. Game six, Miami at home. They take it home. That's what I feel like you're going to say. The last two Denver predictions, I've said Denver in five. Um, I'm going to stick with that trend and say Denver in five again. Now, I hope that Miami could sneak out game one. Then I think we have a series. Again, Denver's been off for 10 days. Maybe they get rusty. I doubt it, but maybe. Um, but if, if I had to put money down and back, my, back up my words and back my mouth up with cash, 
I'll say Denver in five. I do think Miami's too good to get swept. I do think they win one in Miami, and Butler goes off and does his thing. But I just think with all the factors we've discussed, size, um, players, top four versus their top four, everything in general, um, I'll take the Nuggets in five, and Denver will win their first NBA championship in team history. First time they've been there, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, this Miami team, 2020, they got to the finals. They've been in the conference finals and whatnot a lot lately, so it's not fresh. But the team and how it's built is not your average AC like we've been talking about. So it still has this fresh little thing to it. And it's been a while since they won one anyway. Um, but yeah, that, that is, you know, being a Timberwolves fan, I, I do, I can appreciate, you know, uh, Denver. And hey, you know, Denver beat us as Timberwolves. So hey, that, that's cool. You know, we lost to the champs. No big deal. I'm not that mad. Um, so I, I do have Denver winning. Um, and I, and you know, I can't, I can't. That's my biggest thing. Game five, game six, game seven. Should I just be a rube and say, fuck it, game seven, you know? Um, So I'm going to go six or seven. Let's say that. I'll uh, I'll just do do a half-ass prediction. Um, I'll say it goes past game five. How about that? Fair. Really put my foot down in the dirt. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, I I got Denver winning. Um, And I I hope for a game seven, though, obviously. Sure. Of course, yes. That would be interesting. Because a lot of people are saying, man, you know, it's not going to be interesting. And I just hope that, you know, this, uh, this, it doesn't turn into like the, uh, the Spurs and Detroit series back, you know, a while back. And it's like, I hear you. And I know the ratings weren't great for that, but, and it's funny because they got the two, two, but I think both teams had blown, you know, that that maybe not full blowouts, but they, they weren't good games. I remember. And then game five, game six, like, then it started to really heat up. So we'll see how we get there. Sometimes a five-game series when four out of the five games are great, it, it can add up to a lot of entertainment. Um, so we're both picking the Nuggets to get their first championship in franchise history. Obviously, you know, Wojo broke the news. Nick Nurse reached an agreement to become the next coach of the Philadelphia 76ers. Um what says you, sir? I, I really, really like the hire. Um, yeah, I, I like the signing. Um, I obviously, if you look at his resume from Toronto, it was a positive one. Uh, unfortunately, won a damn title because Clay tore his ACL. But um, had a good run there. Um, and you felt kind of after, their, after they did win their ring, their players kind of like slowly left piece by piece. Um, but I think it just, I mean, you can really only judge a coach based on what he does on the court. And he had a pretty good run in Toronto. And now you're walking into a franchise that has, has the potential. I mean, ever since they've been on their, since they finished their rebuilding moment, every year you'll pretty much hear that Philly has a chance to win the East and they haven't done it yet. So maybe a new coach, a different mindset can be the missing piece because I bet most, most people, well, I, yeah, most people I think in NBA media world uh, would say that he's an upgrade over Doc Rivers because Doc Rivers normally just finds a way to get leads and choke. So if you're taking over a team that's been literally a game away or two from making the NBA Finals and now you do an upgrade coach and you keep the same team, that a conference finals, six, you mean. or sorry, a conference, a conference final. Yeah, Let's a conference not give him that. Yeah. I can't but, believe that came out of your mouth. I mean, even the one 
really on them, remember? You're, you're, no, yeah, a conference style. So maybe, maybe the new addition of a, of a different person calling the shots is the piece they need to take the next step down the road. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I like it. I definitely like it. I think it's a, I'm not saying fucking get the parade ready for 2024. Um, unless you do a parade for a conference final, which, you know, I, I would, as a Timberwolves fan, I would go on a long parade. Um, because, you know, Timberwolves only made one conference final, and that's the only year they got out of the first round. So, yeah. Um, any other items that you'd like to talk about before we get out of here, sir? Oh, by the way, the Heat and the Panthers could potentially play 14 finals games uh, in June, just so you know. Funny enough. The the run that Florida's had in the past, like, four years for sports is honestly freaking incredible. With, like, the Heat, Tampa, Brady, uh, Tampa Bay Rays. I mean, that, that whole state, like, really, they, that, that state's been on a hell of a run. And thank God it, the Boston run ended last night. So. Now they just but, need to get the Miami Hurricanes going again. That's all. Yeah, amen. amen. So people can uh, have a villain to point fingers at. Well, and they said this was the first time ever in sports history that an eight seed beat a one seed of two teams in the same city on the same year with Boston losing in hockey and basketball. Oh yeah, obviously, obviously huh. that's it's rare that's that a that double happens. dip there. It, yeah, it, it obviously that's hard to happen, but it did. So especially yeah, that the was, it's, 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 that's crazy. I kind of forgot state of Florida. about that. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So uh, no, I I think that's it. I I think maybe when we come back in, maybe we'll hear of a few more coaching. Um, some more coaching news as the finals persist. Then we always have our very fun NBA offseason show. But I know there's still a couple of big names out there or teams that need a head coach. I'm sure those spots will get filled in eventually. And, yeah, that that's it. So hopefully we get – hopefully, like my co-host said, we get six or seven games. Um, I would yeah. not wager on that, but I'm hoping we do because that makes for good drama. But like Chris said, if we're going to have five games and they're all finishing within ten points and it's good TV for the night, then so be it. So on that note, uh, stay safe. Enjoy your summer. Get some golf in. Enjoy some drinks at the pool. The boys are out tonight. Thanks for the support. Peace.